so while we uh, do not know exactly when all this is going to happen, uh, we have seen that Revelation is kind of like a, a program that God has handed his people uh, to know when and how kind of uh, these, the last days the world will end. Uh, so last week we looked at what has been called one of the most difficult chapters to interpret in all the New Testament. It's chapter 11, and in it we saw the testimony of two witnesses. Uh, they are the biggest reason why chapter 11 is so difficult to come to terms with. Now remember, this is all happening in Jerusalem in the last half of the great seven-year tribulation. Uh, the two witnesses' purpose was to prophesy they speak a word from God, and their prophecy is likely the reality of impending, the impending wrath of God upon all those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus. Now, with all of this stuff we have seen, uh, there is room for interpretation, and uh, no matter what chapter we're looking at, man, there are uh, several different godly views on what they could be, what each of these things could represent. Chapter 12 will be no different today. Um, and the witnesses are no different. Um, some people see them as two literal witnesses, two literal people. I choose to believe that they are. Uh, some even go as far as, as uh, identifying them as Moses and Elijah, but still others um, t- take them as being symbolic, representing the church. Either way, they stand with power and protection until the work that God has called them to do is complete. Uh, we noted last week, this is the culmination of the times of the Gentiles that Jesus spoke of in Luke 21, 24. That's a time when Gentiles have had the upper hand in the world, where, and, and most importantly for us, Gentiles have come to saving faith in Jesus. But in chapter 11, our time, their time, is over. In verse 7, the two witnesses are killed by the beast, who we identified as the Antichrist. And their death brings joy to the world, but it is only temporary because they are resurrected to the awe and horror of everyone who is watching across the world. And with their ascension, the seventh trumpet blasts, and we get the third of three testimonies. Uh, Remember, the, the first testimony was in chapter 10 from the strong angel. He said, the delay is over. The second was from these two witnesses. And here the third is from the elders around the throne. We see that heaven comes unglued again in a concert of worship, declaring the victory of Jesus, declaring the praise of Jesus, and declaring the faithfulness of God. And what we saw What we continue to see, even in the midst of wrath, God remembers his mercy toward his people. And at this point, the stage is set for uh, a terrible trio in the next two chapters as John continues to attempt to describe what is indescribable. So if you are able to stand out of respect for the word of God, please do so. As we read the next part of this strange vision, uh, some, some have mentioned to me that they, they've seen, they've had visions of, of Marvel movies, comic book movies, and as we've been reading through Revelation, and, and today's chapter is no different. Uh, Revelation 12, 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman 
clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems, or crowns, on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of the heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. We will get right to our outline. Uh, Number one is a woman, a child, and a dragon. A woman, a child, and a dragon. And while it sounds like a a wonderful little uh, children's book title, it is not. Um, But go ahead, and before we go any further, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and uh, just tell them, don't panic because this can make sense. Go ahead and go ahead and tell them because I know it's it's really weird but we don't have to panic because it can make sense. So we have this woman giving birth to a child and then we have a dragon. Uh, these are not the terrible trio. Uh, we will identify them shortly. Let's first identify the child, the next blank on your outline. It is a male child who is described as to rule the nations with a rod of iron and was caught up to God and his throne. Now, a similar description uh, to rule the nations with a rod of iron is used of Jesus in Revelation 19.15 and the Messianic Psalm 2, chapter 9. Um, Now, you may notice in some translations, child is capitalized in one of these verses uh, that we just read. Uh, because the child is Jesus. I believe that the child is Jesus. And, and it's not that he is born again here in Revelation. This is retelling the story of his birth and victorious ascension as he was caught up to, to the throne of God. So, uh, if the child is Jesus, again, there's room for interpretation. And if you don't agree We can still be friends. But if it is Jesus, we might think that the woman is Mary, since she was his mother. Um, But actually, this woman is is more than that. Conservative scholars agree this woman is the nation of Israel. This woman represents the nation of Israel. Because it was through them the Messiah came to earth. Now the reason for that, that conclusion is there is a similar description using the sun, moon, and stars that was used to describe what would become Israel in Genesis 37, where Joseph was telling his family about his dream. Remember that? Uh, There, the sun and moon represent Jacob and Rachel, and the stars represent the tribes. And so here, the 12 stars in the garland around the woman's head in verse 1 represents the 12 tribes. And so this woman represents the nation of Israel. So we see the child is Jesus, the woman is Israel, the dragon is Satan. The dragon is Satan. Notice how he's described in verses 3 and 4. It says he is great. 
that phrase there is where we get our word mega. It's used to describe the expanse of the universe. And so this dragon is a formidable foe. He is fiery red, symbolizing the bloodshed he brings that is further illustrated by his throwing stars to the earth. Notice that he tried to destroy the child. And so this is the age-old story of good versus evil. Satan has been trying to destroy Jesus forever. The seven heads with seven crowns or diadems on them. We are told later in Revelation 17, 9, they represent seven mountains and likely in context represent seven historic kingdoms. Now we know the, the number seven is the number of completion. And so it tells of Satan's complete evil and complete darkness and the, the, the complete presence of darkness that his hold has on this earth. The ten horns, are, they likely represent ten kingdoms that he will rule. Now, Daniel 7, it talks about these ten kingdoms. Uh, there, they were future kingdoms. So here in Revelation, they would be ten current kingdoms. His earthly rule is across all of human history. And we can look back in the history books and we can see his influence. Are you with me this morning? Uh, That wasn't very convincing. Are you with me this morning? All right, look at verse 5. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she is a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now, we're not sure who they are. It could be God himself. It could be uh, angels. It could be elders. It could be saints. Uh, who knows the way God, God works? It could be ravens. We've seen that in his word before. It could be anything. But the bottom line is that God is protecting and sustaining his people. We have seen uh, the 1,260 days before. In the Jewish calendar of 30-day months, that equals three and a half years. This is the last half of the seven-year Great Tribulation. So this is when the Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel. Uh, Remember that he came promising peace back in chapter 6, and it was a false peace, and now the truth comes out. He will put a stop to temple worship. He will set himself up as God there. And at this point, the Jews will scatter. They will flee for their lives and hide out somewhere in the wilderness. The 144,000 sealed Jews, remember that we've seen before, will be under God's protection. So the child is Jesus. The woman is Israel. The dragon is Satan. Okay, so uh, that leads to number two. There is war in heaven. War in heaven. Look at verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Who is the dragon? It's Satan, yeah. The dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Uh, Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So we see the supernatural protection of God upon this earth will be removed 
as Satan is cast out of heaven for good and will basically have free reign here on earth. Now, notice that Michael, the archangel, is mentioned. You can write this down. His name means, who is like God? Who is like God? Now, now think about that. It's an appropriate title to go to battle with the one who rebelled against God and said this in Isaiah 14, 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. We know he fell from grace. He took a third of the angels with him. And we also know that we can answer that question. Who is like God? Absolutely no one. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. We probably don't really like to think of Satan being in heaven, but we see in the book of Job that God has allowed him some sort of access, and we can be sure, as we've seen before here in Revelation, he does not go past the boundaries that God has set. But here we get a glimpse of what he does with that access to God's throne. Our adversary, the devil, he accuses the saints. He accuses you and me before God constantly. He hates us. He is the driving force behind all the hatred towards Christians around the world. He is the driving force of all the hatred toward the things of God in the entire world. He hates Christians. He hates Israel. He has been the driving force behind all the anti-Semitism throughout history. All the way back to Pharaoh and Exodus and Haman and Esther and Hitler and Stalin. They were all fueled by the accuser, the spirit of the Antichrist. But notice that Satan's accusations have no power. Say that with me. No power. Satan's accusations have no power over the blood of the Lamb. How did they overcome Verse 11, and they overcame him, Satan, and his accusations by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How do we overcome? How do we stand against the accusations of the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? So now we are added to the list of witnesses as we tell about what Jesus has done in our lives. As Satan stands at the throne of God, throwing accusation after accusation against God's people, even though they are probably true, the truth of what our advocate, the Lamb, has done 
And the truth that he paid for all of it overshadows all of the, the accusations. And he will present us, his bride, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish, as Ephesians 5.27 tells us. Church, there is power in that blood. We sang it this morning. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Because Jesus arose with our freedom in hand, now we are free. Forever we are free. See, church, the next blanks on your outline. What Jesus has done over comes everything. No matter what Satan throws at you, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony and what Jesus has done in your life. No matter how bleak things get, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. No, no matter how hopeless this world becomes, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. No matter how truthful uh, the darkness of our past may be, no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter what the pain of loss, no matter what attacks come upon this body of believers, even if it leads to death, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And one day we will be in the presence of Jesus the Lamb for all eternity. But once again, it is all about Verse 12, therefore rejoice. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. See, for the saints, we can rejoice. But for the ones who don't know Jesus, woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So we see that God revokes Satan's access to heaven. And he casts him to earth. This woe here reminds us of the three woes from chapter 8 verse 13. Those were described in chapters 9 through 11. Uh, this woe probably summarizes all three. Uh, but culminates in Satan himself being cast and let loose on earth. And so if you thought that the first three and a half years of the tribulation were bad, now Satan's efforts will intensify. So we see there is war in heaven. But let's be reminded who wins. It is Jesus. It is God. It is the heavenly hosts, which means it is God's people as well. So don't overlook the fact that we get to participate in the victory with all of heaven. Satan's efforts intensify, and as we continue to read, we see they specifically intensify against the woman, against Israel. Verse 13, now when the dragon, who's the dragon? It's Satan. Saw that he had been cast to earth. He persecuted the woman. Who's the woman? Israel, 
who gave birth to the male child. Who's the child? It's Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she's nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Who's the serpent? It's the devil. It's Satan. It tells us that in verse 9. And so this text, it continues to get stranger and stranger. As John paints the picture of this woman, the entire nation sprouting wings and flying. But just like the woman is figurative, so are the wings. These wings are a picture of the sovereign protection of God surrounding his people. It reminds us of what the prophet Isaiah wrote, Isaiah 40, 30, and 31. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just like he protected Israel in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt, just like he protects us as we wait on him, even when it feels like we are in the wilderness, so God will supernaturally protect Israel in the wilderness at this time. And by now we know what a time, times, and half a time stands for. It's three and a half years. Verse 15, and so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So now there's a flood, and while some people think this is a literal flood in Israel, it's probably figurative like the woman and the wings. Because he has lost access to the throne room of heaven, Satan has no place to throw his accusations, and so his attacks and persecution will intensify against Israel. This is the 144,000 sealed spoken of in chapter 7. These are those that would not take the mark of the beast that we'll see next week in chapter 13. These attacks will probably come uh, spiritually, but also physically as an invading army. And so it's, it's probably both. But either way, the intent of the flood, of this persecution, was to take Israel out, to take out the light of Jesus that was left on this earth. The fact that the earth helped, it may be referencing one of the many earthquakes that we've seen here Uh, in this this book but again the bottom line is god protects his own in his own way and his way is good now with with everything we have read here today i want to read psalm 24 because it it takes on even greater meaning it's a psalm of ascent that Israel would have sang as they made their way up to the temple for one of their three annual uh, festivals. Listen through the filter of Revelation 12 that we've already read here today. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. When the wrath was kindled against us, the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. The swollen waters would have gone over our soul. 
Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Bottom line, God protects his people. The last blank on your outline. Our help is still in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So no matter what you are going through right now, your help is in Jesus. You will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes as we go into a time of invitation? When you think of that, um, your testimony, let's just take a moment and and consider all that, that Jesus has brought you through. Think of who you were before Christ. As that song goes that we sing often, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. And and you know the specifics. For for many of us, uh, I I believe that the Lord saved us at a young age and saved us from a lot of heartache. And then for many others, we know about the heartache because we've made bad decisions. And the Lord redeemed us out of those. Each testimony is equally as valuable. But think about who you were before Christ. And then how God pursued you to become his child. And then incredible how God just puts people in your life to point you to him. Who were those people in your life? Who brought you to church? Who spoke truth into your life? Who was there for you uh, in the darkest times? It's part of your story. And then think about when you surrendered. For, for some of us, it was, we can remember the moment. I remember the couch, I remember the day that my heart finally realized my need for Jesus and my heart finally surrendered. What a precious day in my life. It's part of my testimony. When was it for you? For others, it was over a period of time. God just continued to draw you to him. Who were you before Christ? How did you meet Christ? And when did you come to Christ? Man, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we can rejoice. Be encouraged this morning. Your help is in the name of the Lord. Maybe you need to cry out to him today just asking for help. Maybe you don't even know what you need help from. (laughs) You just know you need it. Allow the, the, the Lord to work in your heart.
And listen, if you can't remember a time when you surrendered to Jesus as the Savior of your life, this could all be part of your testimony. He's drawing you to him. He's speaking truth into your life right now. And he's pulling on those heartstrings. And if you sense him calling you today, surrender. Because there is nothing better in this world than surrendering the awesome free gift of life in Christ. Lord, we do come to you just thanking you for the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, Lord. Lord, help us not forget all that you have done for us, all that you have brought us through. Lord, help us not forget that our help is still in the name of the Lord. What a powerful name that is, who made heaven and earth. And so, Lord, as as we allow you to do business in our hearts here this morning, Lord, let us not just leave it here, but continue to, to, to speak to us as we leave this place. Uh, Lord, if there are any among us who don't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. If there are any among us who uh, do know you but haven't been living like it, Lord, I pray that today would be the day we turn back to you. God, we love you, and we thank you for Revelation, even Revelation 12, even though it is strange, help us to not panic because it can make sense. Give us spiritual eyes to see what you're trying to tell us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.